You are listening to www.infinitesmile.org. Enjoy these Zen-inspired talks given by Michael McAllister, followed up by question and answer exchanges with groups of his students. So much is made of this word, practice. Westerners also believe that it's very typically less about practice and more about mastery. But the reason why practice is such an appropriate word for what we do when we sit still is that stillness is not something that is ever mastered. You cannot hold dominion over stillness. Stillness just is. Stillness is the source of all that moves. And so what we do is we just practice being still. We practice consciously approaching the stillness that is within and without all things. And this is when we uncover that the entire universe is in an atom. This is when we begin to uncover that in us which is truly expansive. And every enlightened being spoke of this. Pick your way up the mountain. They all said basically that, you know what? The minute we can just kind of unhook ourselves from our experiences in a conscious way with consciousness, with awareness, we begin to change our relationship fundamentally with our suffering. So we practice so intently or rather with such intention, such noble intention, that we continually pull ourselves into the eye of the hurricane rather than being whipped around by the hurricane. We experience tremendous suffering when we live in the winds of the hurricane, just on the other side of the eye especially. Partial surrender to the Dharma creates this situation where we are right near the most ferocious of all winds. The winds that catch us are things like praise, blame, right? Uh, especially those two. If we live our lives 
you know, around that gain, loss of any kind. If we live with that in our orientation, what begins to happen is we create a relationship with the teaching that locks us into those winds as opposed to getting into the eye of the hurricane. Getting into the eye of the hurricane is as simple as watching with your full attention what's going on. So the more we practice watching really what's going on, the less hammered we are by the hurricane. And this may seem like a very elemental and simple way of approaching Buddhist teaching. I hope so. Um, life is suffering. That's the first noble truth. There is a cause to suffering. And that is our clinging, our attachment. Our attachment to especially a separate sense of self and all the things that come from that, rather than seeing ourselves as being deeply connected, being actually merged with, from, through, one with the all, we tend to see ourselves, obviously, as, ah, stuff is happening to me. I am me. It's kind of the way we contract in that regard. If we can just rest in the verb, am, if we can just rest in the amness, the I amness of our experience, whatever it happens to be, however glorious or painful it happens to be, if we can just be right there with it, we are shot into the middle of the hurricane, into the I. The E-Y-E of the hurricane. And hurricanes are thrown at us all the time. All the time. Life is, according to the Buddha, hurricanes. There's a cause to those hurricanes. Emotional, physical, or whatever. The belief in the separate self. There's an end to our being beaten around by the winds of the hurricane. And that's the move in. And how you get there, that's the fourth noble truth. All right? So to d distill, at least for today's talk, tonight's talk, to distill that down, um, let's pretend that y you and I, in this moment, recognize our unsurpassed, complete, penetrating, and perfect awakening to the truth that it is all one thing. Let's just pretend in this moment, whammo, oh, oh, I get it. Wait, actually, I don't get anything. Very good, okay? We recognize there's an uncovering within us of the unquantifiable truth of unity, the deep singularity. That happens. Here's what will take you back into the winds. Here's what will push you back into the storm. Dogen Zenji used to uh, refer to them as the three leaks or the three things that leak an awakening out of uh, an enlightened uh, being. And they're, they're going to sound probably very, very familiar. But the first one is opinions. 
if our relationship to our opinions is cramped, if it's like a vice, if we hang on with intense conviction that doesn't allow any light in, we create darkness. This is not to say that it's not okay to have opinions. But part of our practice is to look at our opinions. Look very carefully at them. Are they open or are they closed? Because if they're closed, if our opinions are closed, what we're doing is we're closing the universe. Aside from opinions, which are relating specifically to the mind, we then go to the body. Feelings. It's another source of leaking. If we, are, if we have a relationship to the feelings that go on within our bodies that is one of clinging, I want more of that or I want less of that, in my body, the minute we are on that tilt, we're not centering ourselves on the fulcrum of that seesaw, so to speak, but rather going back and forth, we begin to leak the awakening and we move from the eye of the hurricane into the wind. This is, uh, for me, an especially wonderful practice when I'm eating great food or drinking that perfect Pinot. You know? Wait, that's enough. That's enough. Any more? And I'm in the winds. This is a very simple day-to-day -day practice. Okay? You can carry that on a little bit more extensively and look at the things that you get thrills from in, on a in a body sense. Maybe it's another person. It's not that it's not okay for them to thrill you. That's wonderful. But are you craving that? Is your relationship to the feeling more important than your relationship to the other person? And thirdly, and this is among the most uh, delicate one of the, the third leak, essentially, that Dogen spoke of was words. So maybe we all should just shut up. <laughs> but when we tend to follow this, this behavioral pattern that is about continually making noise, usually repetitive, patterned habitual inertia that we just give labels to that we keep calling attention to verbally, what we do is we actually diminish the awakening from shining through everything that we do. Consider silence in your life at a real simple level. When we are silent in the way we approach an activity, or very, very mindful, I should say, 
You cannot help but being absolutely, totally aware of what it is that you're doing if what you're doing is totally quiet. Try setting the table silently. You try putting a soup bowl on another plate, try to do that silently. You can't do it without paying total attention to what it is that you're doing. When you wash the dishes, can you smell the soap and feel the soap and not have a conversation while you're doing it, but just be there with the dishes and recognize that clean or dirty, it's beautiful? So bringing this back around to our suffering, our suffering, our pain, our anguish, and so forth, if we can be really clear about it and not get caught by opinions or convictions that we may have about that feeling and then give it a lot of words, we're changing our relationship rather radically to our discomfort. Our pain then shifts. And rather than being an old story, that pain actually helps awaken us. It helps take us from the wind and stormy nature of the hurricane into the eye. The pain itself becomes a Dharma eye because we're no longer giving it fuel, fuel from our thoughts or opinions, fuel from the way it sits within our body, and fuel with words, sometimes that we speak to ourselves silently. We just allow it, we watch it, we become intimate with it, and in that intimacy with our own suffering, we develop then compassion for everybody's suffering. And we realize that no matter what, there are still always more flowers to give. Okay, this is um, something that came to me today. I did not create it. If you could keep an open mind and heart while it's being read, be appreciated. My dearest love, I am here for you. I have always been here for you. You are me, complete and perfect. Enlightenment is not something gained alone. It expands beyond all judgments and perception. It is the knowing of your true self, which is the eternally graceful spirit of all. My love, my beautiful love, See yourself in everyone and everything, for this is where you will find me. I have been waiting for your peaceful return, and it is inevitable. You are my sons and daughters. Set aside your illusion of difference and separation, and you will find that you have always been enlightened. Enlightenment is only a word but the experience of eternity is now. Therefore, see through the ego that binds me 
and set yourself free. I love you with eternity. You will never understand this in time, but in eternity, you will know certainly that we are one. Welcome back home, love. Welcome back home. It's beautiful. Beautiful, Victor. When we see ourselves through the eyes of others, we've essentially walked right into the center of the hurricane. And in that, there's total expanse. There's only light. There's only light. Mm -hmm. There's only light. Yeah. And when it gets dark, what do we do? We bring that presence of light into the darkness. And that darkness can be within us or within others. And it's contagious for the contracted sense to start feeding off of darkness. Judgments and perceptions and opinions are all of the lower self. Yeah. The I that we, yes. that we are. But when we open ourselves up, we know that That's it. That's it. When we open ourselves up, there are no words, right? Pure love. Pure love. Pure love. And then guess what? In the very next moment, you get an opportunity to practice that one more time. It's eternal. And it's eternal. That now is all there is. It's only ever now. It's eternal. Yeah, even when it's ugly, even when it's violent, it's peaceful, it's beautiful. Uh-huh. Yeah. Anybody want to follow that? imagining being in the eye of the hurricane and somehow I always go to nature mountains and it seems for me I know you can do it anywhere but it seems more difficult in the middle of a city where there's hustle and bustle and energy flying everywhere mm -hmm. so how do we do it pardon me how do we do it yeah, it just seems more, I, I guess it's more of a comment. You know, when I, when I was imagining yeah. the eye of the hurricane, I always think of the mountains and streams. Right. And it just seems more natural. And it it's not any more natural than toxic waste. The mountains are here. Mm -hmm. Right? The mountains are out there, but they're within your awareness. Therefore, they are within what's holy in you. So is the trash. So is the, the urban throb. Mm -hmm. And so our relationship to our opinions about the urban throb and the feelings that we have to that throb and the words that we give it keep us from experiencing the mountains in the city. That's not to say that 
the mountains aren't a catalyst for ah. I think it's more of an energy level too, almost on a physical, visual right. level. It's right, but but I guess the point that I, I I'm clumsily trying to make here is that it's no different, and so you've articulated beautifully how we can move from the eye out real quickly the minute we give opinions to that energy. It's just energy. Mm -hmm. But the minute we paint it a certain color, what do we do? We keep the eye of the hurricane specific to certain scenarios, certain situations, and that boundary of certainty always leads to a diminishing of the experience. It always always defiles it it keeps it and it keeps our hearts closed it's hard yeah. it's practice yeah. yeah yeah i have a slightly different version of that question which is being bombarded so much that i don't even realize how much i'm being bombarded that um I just get um, hostile and anxious and, you know, just want everybody and everything to get away from me because I can't find that stillness in, you know, the chaos or the busyness that, and the stimulation. I'm just, it's just not what I've tried to build in my life and now all of a sudden I have Here that. it is. Huh? Here it is. Here it is, yeah. yeah. And I come here, and I just can't even believe how exhausted I am because, I, I mean, I don't, I'm not even aware of what I'm living with all day. Right. Every right. day. Right. Well, none of us can fix that. No person can fix that. But I have a suggestion. <laughs> um, big surprise. Yeah, big surprise. <laughs> Shut up, Mike. <laughs> it's time, maybe, to carve out stillness in your life. Because what's exhausting is feeling like you're defending against attack. Either attack on your time or attack on you physically, they're in your face or you know, whatever. It's that, it's that attack. The defense requires so much energy that it will psychologically, ex we'll become psychologically exhausted and then that usually manifests as you know, either depression or some, you know, all sorts of great things. When we create a practice of stillness, which is usually the last thing that we really want to do. It's much easier just to kind of you know, show up on Thursdays. Uh, but if we create a practice that is daily, what happens is there's this amazing space that begin, begins to unfold just between us and the attack. And every time we are hit, I've equated this to armor, you know, how when, when we don't practice, the armor is very close to our skin. And every little 
thing just hurts. But when we practice stillness, what happens is that armor gets much more expansive so that we can take a lot more and our awakened core, our awakened center is still shimmering and glowing with grace and ease. Consciously then we respond. Appropriately we respond to whatever comes our way. So how you would go about doing this becomes a very creative exercise, you know. But that you make this happen is critical. And it's critical for not just you, but for all of humanity. For all of humanity to begin to just breathe. Consciously, consciously give of yourself from that place of the effortless ebb and flow of breath. Recognize the infinity fully and then operate from that place consciously. And what do we do? We change the entire universe. The script is rewritten. That's the quick fix. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for coming. <laughs> <laughs>